You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferberg, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Hey there, this is Jennifer from the Sped Prep Academy podcast, and this is part two of what was supposed to be a four-part series where new special education teachers ask questions that they need answers to, and I happily provide them. But to my surprise, which really shouldn't be a surprise at all because there are a lot of moving pieces to teaching special education, so much to my delight, I have had quite the interest from the new teacher crowd. So I'm going to be continuing this series as more of an ongoing opportunity. I plan to sprinkle in other episodes here and there, but I can really see a need here, and the more teachers that I can support in this way, the better. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to let you know that the Back to School Teachers Pay Teacher Sale is going on today, and this is the last day to get the 25% off of all the Sped Prep Academy products from my store. If you are overwhelmed with what to get your year started off on the right foot, I have a suggestion for you. The one thing that I would buy if I didn't have one already would be a paraprofessional binder. The one I have in my store was a labor of love. I worked so hard to put together a handbook that would help me truly become a team with the paraprofessionals who worked in my classroom. And I can honestly cross my heart, tell you that it worked. Using the binder slash handbook, whatever you want to call it, has made setting up expectations, clarifying roles, and supporting staff with disability areas, behaviors, trainings. Oh, there's just so much good information in it. So if you want to grab that for 25% off today, head on over to Sped Prep Academy on Teachers Pay Teachers. Okay, so let's get to the show. So the person who asked today's questions was unable to connect with me online, but I have her questions here and I'm going to get them answered for her. So the first question she asks is, what should my back to school process look like for communicating with classroom teachers about the IEPs of their students? Well, Elise, the back to school process for communicating with general education teachers is just to provide them with a list of what kids they will have and then a snapshot of the IEP. This can be done digitally, like your IEP computer system will print one for you to give out, or it can be handwritten. I know that you can find a lot of these on TPT or online where you are just writing down the major points of the IEP the accommodations, the modifications, the services, you're just providing them with a snapshot, sometimes called an IEP at a glance. So just search that in Google or on TPT and see what you come up with if you don't want to use what your computer system generates. But that's what I do. I generate that that form, that piece of paper, and then I provide Like I said in the last episode, I provide that piece of documentation where the general education teacher is stating that they received that snapshot to indicate that they are aware of the accommodations, modifications, and services so that that are to be provided within their classroom. And then I like to have a sit down with my teachers and give them some sort of anecdotal notes about the child. For example, their preferences, their likes, their dislikes, their behaviors, their personalities. A lot of that just comes from knowing the child. And so I like to share that information with the new teachers. And then basically that's it. Just give them the basics of what they need to know. 
Now, I don't want you to forget that PE teachers, music teachers, art, band, all of those specials classes or elective classes at the high school level are also considered general education. So make sure that you're giving them a copy as well. The next question from Elise is advice for back to school night. Should I have a handout, activity, takeaway? Okay, well, you know, I wish I was more organized to do something like this. When I moved to my new school five years ago, I did make a back to school flyer for my parents because I didn't know any of the kids or the parents, and I just felt like it was something I needed to do. But let me make something very clear. You can be a highly successful special educator without ever giving parents a back to school handout. Your parents really just want to know that you care about their kid and that you're going to provide them with the best possible education as you can. And you're going to take care of them while you are with them for the six to seven hours a day. And that's really all your parents want to know. They don't care where you went to college. They don't care how many degrees you have. They don't care how long you've been teaching. But if you are that teacher who wants to do this and you have the time and the energy to make it happen, go for it. I think they are awesome. I think that it's just something that I've never been able to be organized enough at the beginning of a year to get this done. But I love the idea of brochures, flyers, even a video presentation I've seen done. I think they are beneficial to give out. And I have even I even have one in my TPT store that is easily editable. And I'm sure that there are a lot of free ones out there as well. Even on Canva, they might have some templates that you can edit to make your own. So do as little or as much as you want in this area. But the most important part of meeting the parents for the first time is that they begin to know, like, and trust you. Just be yourself. If this is something that adds just another thing to your plate, don't worry about it. Just spend some time getting to know them, asking questions about their child, taking notes. You know parents will be just as nervous meeting you as you are them, and they want to know that their child is in the best hands possible. The third question from Elise says, my school gives me my room schedule. How does that work when writing IEP minutes? Well, I think that in a perfect world, we would be able to say, Johnny only needs 30 minutes of pullout and Sarah needs 45 minutes and Kelly needs 60 minutes and you should be able to provide all the services that each child has. Because really, that's what an IEP is. It's an individual education plan. And when it comes down to it, it's the law. But I am not naive enough to think that things will always go the way we want them to go. And a lot of times administrators don't realize that by putting those schedule restraints on you and making that schedule for you, that they are they are aiding in your inability to be compliant and making it hard for you to provide the least restrictive environment. So I'm not a fan of that method because it doesn't take into account the child who needs less time or more time or inclusion time or sensory time. It just seems like a very canned approach to providing services. And when you or your school in this case does that, it it doesn't always follow the least restrictive environment. But with that being said, I I know it happens, and when it does, it's definitely not the teacher's fault. So my recommendation would be to work within the confines of what the school is providing to you, and when you write new IEPs, you'll have to align the minutes and the services with those times. But I definitely would have a discussion with your principal and and just let them know that 
the way that the schedule is working doesn't necessarily work well with your schedule and just see what can be done. They might not, they honestly, they might not care. But I have always had principals who took that into consideration. So it's worth a conversation. The fourth question from Elise is IEP meetings. Is there a standard outline or agenda? Do I run the IEP meetings for the students I case manage? Well, I would imagine that every district does things just a little bit differently. So I would reach out to your special education director or principal or school psychologist and find out for sure. The way it works in my district is that if it is an annual IEP meeting, there is not any new formal testing. If there isn't going to be any changes to the disability areas or the services provided, then I will lead it. I will make sure that all of the paperwork is done, including the IEP, the meeting notes, the meeting notices, the prior written notice, the etc. It's all on me to get it done and turned in. When it is a three-year reevaluation, the school psychologist sets up the meeting and runs the meeting and takes care of all of the paperwork except for the IEP itself. As for agendas, there isn't a formal agenda that everyone should use. It really just depends on your district and the needs of the child. But I do have an agenda that I will follow for the most part. And we have a poster to follow along with on the wall along with meeting norms and a understanding percentiles chart. And those things are there to help the special education teacher and add value to the meeting. But they also aid in not having your conference room all stark and uninviting. They just add some color and they add some information as well. When you are leading a meeting, you want to do introductions give the purpose of the meeting, and then always start your meeting on a positive note and end it on a positive note. And then sandwich all of that negative kind of stuff in the middle. Make sure you are making those connections with the parents. You will want to have a copy of the IEP with you. I know that sounds a little bit like a duh statement, but some teachers just take a written summary of the IEP to the meeting instead of the whole IEP. And I find that odd and I'm not even sure that it's legal. So you're going to want to have the IEP there. Go in order of the IEP. Don't bounce around. Just keep it steady. Keep it flowing but you don't have to read it word for word for word. Just go over the most important parts. And the last question from Lee says, initials and evaluations. I'm unsure of the process here. If the child would be on my caseload, am I in charge of scheduling the evaluations with school psychs, etc.? Or does the SPED secretary do all of that? I don't know what is my responsibility and what is the SPED secretary's. Okay, so on an initial evaluation, you will get a case assignment of some sort to indicate that a child has been referred for testing or needs a three-year reevaluation. Some districts have psychometrists who do all of the testing, but I think for the most part, special education teachers do their own testing. Once all of the testing has been done, such as the achievement test, the intelligence test, any speech or or other related services, anything dealing with behavior like behavior rating scales. Once all of that has been done, the school psychologist or their secretaries will schedule the meeting and the psychologist will run that meeting. All you'll need to be responsible for is writing the IEP and then presenting the IEP. 
And the process is similar for a three-year reeval. All of that should be run by the school psychologist and you'll get a meeting notice to attend. For an annual IEP, you will be responsible for setting up the meeting, sending meeting notices to all involved parties, taking the notes, discussing the IEP, and completing a prior written notice form that gives consent for services. But I just want to put this out there. I'm sure that this process is a little bit different in every district, every state. It's just like everything else. The states take the federal law and they interpret it. And every state interprets it just a little bit differently. And so in Kansas, my state, it might... It definitely does look different than Oklahoma. And then those two states might look completely different than California or Georgia. It just depends where you live and how they interpret the law. And it depends on the policies and the procedures of the district. So check with your school psychologist, check with your administration, such as district special education directors or IEP coordinators. Just ask lots of questions. Don't ever be afraid to ask questions. I still ask questions because I want to do it right. I'd rather ask and do it right than to not ask and assume I know and end up doing it wrong. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. That's all the questions that Elise submitted. Thank you, Elise, for submitting these questions, and I hope that I answered them well enough. If you are not subscribed to the SPED Prep Academy newsletter, I encourage you to go to www.spedprepacademy.com slash quiz and take the short little quiz that will help you unlock the superpowers you never knew you possessed and discover the kryptonite that's been holding you back from becoming an amazing leader for your staff. It will only take a minute or two of your time and it will give you clarity on how to better manage your department And by completing the quiz, you will also be added to the email list so that you can receive even more knowledge, inspiration, support, and discounts to different products made just for special education teachers each week. So again, that's spedprepacademy.com slash quiz. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you would share it with friends. Go ahead and screenshot an image of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show and leave a review. They give an instant boost to my ego and they help others find the podcast as well. If you liked what you heard today and realized you found your SPED soulmate, please subscribe and then head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.